Welcome to another Model Railroad Hobbyist Podcast. Uh, got your usual crew here. I'm Paul Gillette. Got James Lincoln. Alright, so, you know, when you have to tear down your railroad because you're selling your house. Again? Yeah, this, it's for sale, and so I showed the uh, realtor the train room, and... She goes, wow, this is really neat. Because about half of it was, you know, fairly well scenic and detailed. Yep. And uh, that's where I shot all those YouTube videos. And she goes, I don't think this is going to work for showing the home. I said, well, what do you mean? Maybe somebody will be a model railroader. And she goes, yeah, let's not count on that. So I said, you want me to tear it down? She goes, yeah, I think you need to. So it took a week to uh, tear it down because, you know, you pull off what you can salvage and what you can't uh, goes away. And then then your wife comes to you and says, oh, the job offer's changed. We're not going to move after after all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I am going to kill you. Yeah, that's right. So now we're moving to help with a granddaughter. So uh, are you moving to Vermont or no, no, no. Uh, those are grandsons in Vermont. This is north of Dallas on the outside of the Beltway, maybe like Carrollton, Richardson, Plano, someplace up there. And uh, good news is there's a lot of model railroad clubs up there and Model railroad stores, so but so you know, I tear it down and uh pack up cars, pack up locomotives, the scenery that I can save, which is mainly just conifer trees, the rocks, all that kind of stuff. I went, I'm not saving this, you know, the track has been siliconed down, so it it self destructs as you remove it, the turnouts remove. They get destroyed. So mm-hmm. I take down all the bench work and I've got it neatly stacked and all the clegg uh, screws are all bundled up and ready to go for the next one. But during the day now, I get bored because I can't retreat to the train room. Mm-hmm. And so we had a for southern Louisiana on the Gulf Coast, we had a, a very extreme winter last year because we had 48 hours where the temperature was in the 20s. That's mm-hmm. just something we don't deal with. So I had... Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, 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 what? Yeah? 48 hours? 48 hours of sub-30 temperatures. Continuous. Okay. Okay, um, you'll forgive me if I if, if I'm not really sympathetic. But now I understand. The... I understand it's not something you deal with often. But you'll forgive me if I'm not really <laughs> yeah. sympathetic. So forty eight forty eight hours of temperatures below thirty. Okay, all right. That's right. The previous two winters here, we had maybe between two winters, maybe. Five days where the crowns of roof had a light frost on them. Nothing in the, nothing 
even in the mid-30s down here on the South Shore. So I had big swaths of grass just died because it can't handle frozen ground and uh, a lot of the uh, palladiums and stuff froze, the bulbs froze. So now I've just thrown myself into restoring all the landscape. And Mm. I did airbrush three locomotive shells on Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon. But so I went to the nursery today and bought, you know, more of this, more of that. And my wife says, this is how you're investing your time since you can't work on your model railroad, right? And I went, yeah. I said, whoever buys this house benefits for some, with some stunning, uh, stunning, uh, plant beds and architectural plantings and stuff. So anyway, I mean, because we've been in the 90s for a couple of days, and it means you've got to water the grass more, even though where I where our house is, you know, used to be part of Lake Pontchartrain, maybe in the 1930s, 1940s. So it's very sandy soil. And so... To reseed and sod and all that, you got to bring in cubic yards of dirt to mm-hmm. give the, the sod roots something to attach to and to build up your planting beds for the ornamentals and all that stuff. So, and I've done this all before. I mean, this isn't our first house, but uh, I do miss being able to unbox a bunch of you know, cars, locomotives, create a contest and watch it go around the railroad. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's cathartic. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. So the project I was working on before all this, excuse me, came about was, and I've started a blog piece. I haven't finished it because it was interrupted by tearing down the railroad on taking these CF7s, the ones that I've already blogged about, remotoring and changing the speakers. So KV Products up in Vermont makes grills and shutters for the hoods on these CF7s. Mm-hmm. And so I started this blog on how to convert these, you know, cut out the molded on uh, air inlets to the shell and how to mount the, the, the shutters, how to position them open, f- uh, how to file cut, blah, blah, blah. So I've done all that. So the other day I was up to, I had to, I've already mounted all this stuff, I had to airbrush it. Mm-hmm. These are stainless steel, so I, I'd already strip the bodies and I use that term figuratively because on these three Atherin CF7 shells one of them stripped all the way down to plastic and I was using Scale Coats plastic compatible stripper the green Mm -hmm. fluid the green fluid okay the other two like the blue one you know there's a pinstripe uh, blue all I did was dull the paint actually one whale of a weathering job because I had already weathered these things but I let it soak and then I toothbrush it and all this stuff and 
it didn't remove any of the lettering, any of the pinstriping. It just made it look like a 25, 30-year-old paint job. And I went, wow, this is pretty neat. <laughs> I don't want to throw this away. So I masked off the, the new shutters and stuff and got some uh, True Color uh, Santa Fe Blue and airbrushed it the other day. And the other one was a yellow bonnet version. And again, all it did was nicely dull up the paint, didn't remove the lettering or anything, so I mask it off. Uh, Micromark makes a liquid masker that's mm -hmm. in a pen form. It's the same approach as uh, Woodland Scenics does with their rail pens, the uh, ink pens with rust and steel where you it's got a fibrous tip and you you know pump it a little bit and the paint starts flowing well this is the way this masker works okay and so you can paint it in very defined areas around curvatures and so forth uh, where it's impractical to try and mask with a rigid tape mm -hmm. and so I did that and it golly it works great and then when you're done, you just take your fingertip and rub it across it, and it rolls off. Oh, nice. Even on the the exterior part of these uh, radiator inlets, which are super fine etched, uh, at some of the finest etching, and I mean that on dimensional, very fine, I thought, well, shoot, this will clog this up. Nope. Once I started rubbing my thumb across it, it just all pulled off and just, it was great. Nothing but yellow behind it. So I shot some more photos and I've got the end of that to do. But the downside of all this beautiful detail, now you've got see-through, is the original speakers that I had mounted in the shell will not fit <laughs> because these parts are in the way. Mm. That's okay. So I'm looking at the frame and I'm going, I'm checking the dimensions and what I'll put in there are three together. I'll mount, do a mounting platform for them of the 13, 18, 13 sugar cubes. Mm -hmm. And I can mount them low enough, still clear the worm gear cover. And some of the sound, well, obviously a lot of the sounds going to go up straight through the radiator fan openings. But some of it's going to radiate out through the radiator openings. Uh -huh. So I've already made the speaker assemblies and all that. And so maybe, you know, like yesterday, we had to be gone for a couple hours because it was an open house. So we have to grab yep. the dog, go over to City Park, get some coffee, get some beignets, watch the turtles playing in the bayou and. Okay. Now, home, so. on, on that one note, I will say I'm I'm fairly jealous. Oh, beignets. <laughs> beignets. Because <laughs> I've I've never been I've never been to Louisiana and I've never actually been you know had a real Louisiana beignet, but I've had beignets at um, Port Orleans. Yeah. At Disney. Oh my yeah. goodness, they're good. <laughs> well, thank yeah, thank glazed donut. Yeah. Without the glaze, it's the same deep on fried crack. dough. Yeah. <laughs> glazed, uh -huh. glazed donuts without 
the glaze and then they're just immersed in like a pound of pag- uh, powdered sugar. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. this building that Morning Call is in, that's the name of the coffee shop, goes back into like 1904. It's okay. open. So you've got all this beautiful architecture. It's about 200 yards off the uh, circle where the art museum is. And it's just surrounded by bayous and turtles and egrets, yeah. Canadian geese, mm. domestic geese. And fish. People go out there and fish for perch and bass. Okay. And, and on a Sunday, it's just family time. So it's really, really neat. And then we come home after the the crowd clears out of the house and, you know, come in, relax and all that stuff. But you've just got to. Now, normally here, the realtors always work through the listing agent. So Ellie's our listing agent, so she is always here when the other agent brings the people through. So we get a heads up, hey, we're going to be there at 2 o'clock. You know, we'll be done by 3 o'clock or 2.30 or whatever it is, and which helps out. But otherwise, I've been walking the dog a lot, you know. Yeah. All right, dog, we're going for another walk. There's realtors coming. Mm. So... I've got, I developed a backup plan and because we lost, we didn't, yeah, we did. We left money on the table when we left Phoenix, just market conditions and Mm -hmm. how we'd invested in improving this house. And I said, not going to do that. This is a beautiful home. If, if we don't move, I said, Dallas is a, an hour and a half plane flight. We can go over and help with the granddaughter. We don't have to move. Right. And and my wife, bless her heart, goes, well, what are you going to do? You didn't like the room where you put the model railroad because it was too small. You made too many compromises. And I, well, we've got a two-car garage we could put a second story on. I said, we just have to investigate the building code, make sure we do it right. Yeah. And she goes, what do you think that would cost? I said, eh, roughly about 25000 And she's, her face just turned white. And I said, yeah. I said, what else am I going to do? Go rent an apartment for 500 a month to turn it into a train room? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, so, and so this just becomes like you and Chris on the Pullman Standard boxcar and O scale. This yeah. is like our little back and forth on that. One thing about it, uh, Jim and in Dallas, they have this pension for enormous houses. <laughs> okay. And so it's not uncommon to find a room that's like 25 by 35. Oh, that really? That can become your train room. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That's a, not all. No, that's probably more than I want to build up. Well, so yeah. anyway, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, the, one of the things about New Orleans. Louisiana is a beautiful state, and certainly the cuisine here is nice. City Park is nice. Uh, we're up by the lake. You can walk these streets at night and feel safe. Okay. The part of Lakeview where we are. Yeah. And properties, yeah, is not inexpensive, but what kills you here 
and I'm making the contrast with the last two states we lived in, Arizona and Ohio, is property taxes are extremely high, and insurance, both homeowners and car, extremely, I mean like 3x, yeah, 300%. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you go to North Dallas, first of all, there's no state income tax, so that's more money for trains, <laughs> freed up. There you go. The insurance is much less expensive, both car and property. So there's a lot of financial incentives to the move. Plus, you know, being there to help out with the granddaughter. And they have good barbecue. They have brisket. They have all this. Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah. Got to put up with an occasional tornado. But, hey, you know, here we got a Dodge Hurricane. So it right. equals out. It equals out. Hey, we have been getting on the website, the Facebook page, you've got a lot of followers for your various projects, the track, and then the uh, uh, 3D printing uh, Shapeways items you've been doing for cars, the gondolas, the box cars, so uh, the doors and stuff, I mean, they look incredible. Uh, oh, thank you. Now they do. Uh, let, let me let me show you what, <laughs> what's been killing me. Well, it's not really killing me, but uh, what I just did. Let me show you what I just did. Um, and I will, of course, send it to the, the website. But um, there you go. All right. Let me grab that puppy. Oh, wow. Pilot with snowplow. Yeah. Um, that's for the um, the Atlas GP60 that I have. So Is that one piece? No. Okay. The, the plow is actually separate. Okay. Oh, let that's me, beautiful. Let me see. So you'll cut the Atlas part off and then apply this? No. Um, the Atlas part, the... the the pilot is actually a separate piece. Okay. It totally, um, it totally comes out. So. Okay. Oh. Okay. And you got I, the got the doors open so you can run uh, emu hoses through. Yes. Um, the. Uh, I actually have the doors separate pieces that I can add on to that. Uh, but it gets, when you try to add them in, because uh, that's a, the, the plow itself is a really weird compound curve, sort, sort of. Um, so the way that I gut it, the way that I cut out those um, plow, the MU cable holes, what you can tell it to do is cut other side and so it will delete the entire plow but leave the doors and so then you save those those as a separate file and then you can add those back in the only problem is is then they're they're too thick because they're 30 thousandths thick instead of you know a half inch thick is 11 thousand so they don't look quite right uh the other thing when i tried to do it um, I got an error. 
when I tried to uh, the only way to do it is you do an assembly, which isn't a part. And when you try to make a stereolithography file, an SDL file, so that you can print it, you'll get issues because it's not all one piece, if that makes any sense. Um, it's not a complete solid. So you can have some issues with trying to 3D print it. And so when I tried to make it a single file it gave me an error so i said you know what it's not that important um the doors don't look exactly right anyway um so yeah when i first started drawing it i i've actually been wanting to draw that plow for a couple of years now okay and i finally came as i was looking at photographs of it i finally came i finally figured out how it was made and so I was then able to draw, to make the file to, I was unable to draw it because I figured out that it was actually a straight piece of steel. It's not curved. It looks curved, but it's not. You mean in real life? In real life, it's a flat piece of steel that they curved. Oh, okay. So they bent it. So they bent it in the curve so that it plows, but it's, it's not curved side to side it's curved up and down if that makes right. any sense yeah so, they put it in a press yeah. and roll the radius right and then they also probably put it in another press operation yeah. to put the angle at the yeah. center line to get the flare right okay and once i figured that out it was a it was the aha moment to say oh well this isn't that complicated after all now come to find out um, I was looking at the wrong plow. So, um, I was the, a, the Southern Pacific plow that I had the detail photos of is straighter. So it's straight across the top. When you look at that plow, you notice that it's got that angle. Um, and so I was able to get, you know, after I had drawn the wrong plow, uh, I was able to redraw this one, and this is the correct one. And so this one does sort of have a compound curve going through it. But it was the realization that the, that the thing on the bottom, because you can see that the 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 plow edge along the bottom is a yes. flat piece of, is a flat piece of steel. Right. And that's when I finally was looking at it. I re I came to realize, oh, it's it's straight. I don't have to worry about this compound curve foolishness. Right. I just draw it straight. And, you know, once you understand SolidWorks, you can yeah. make it, you can make it do it. And then once I had drawn the wrong one and then realized what I had to do, it was not a big deal to change it and to change it. So one side was shorter and the other side's taller because the original plow that I made, that I, that I drew, um, was flat across the top. So it didn't have that downward angle in the middle going towards the coupler cut. Okay. Um, so, and, and I, the, the one plot, the other plot, the first plot I drew was actually correct, but not for the unit that I'm doing. If that, you know, um, I had pictures of a Southern Pacific GP60 that are detail photos. Yes. And I, then I had the photos of this cotton belt GP60, and all the cotton belt ones have this different style of plow. Oh, they do? Oh, yeah. Wow. The, the Southern Pacific ones have a have have more of a straight plow at least the one that i was looking at okay the, the sp one 
has the flatter plow and across the top. It's still curved. Um, but uh, let me no, hang on a minute. I will show you. Well, it's a good looking plow, what you've done there. I am very pleased with that. It actually, the whole. Um, the whole thing, uh, you know, the bolster, I mean, you know, the end piece, yes. the only drawback that I'm finding with it is that the coupler on the prototype seems to sit lower than what this is coming out as. Okay. Uh, so I don't quite know how to fix it yet, but you know, once I get all the pieces, I'll be able to figure it out. Um, so I'm going to print the pieces, and then the coupler will be a totally separate piece that slides in. I'll make a coupler box that, that slides into this piece. Okay. Oh, just one? Okay. Yeah. Can I paste? You're going to sell them? Um, I will make it available. Okay. That's I, I will good. make it available. Okay, so that's the, that's the unit that I'm doing. Okay. That's a nice fade on that uh, locomotive. Yeah, it is. Uh, I've kind of reproduced that, so. Um, yeah. I mean, all the lettering down the side and the cab numbers have almost gone away. Yeah. Yep. And so you look at that, and let me, pull it, let me get the unit. And what is also kind of interesting, if you look at the, um, the cab sunshade, yeah. they pulled it off something else, so it's white. Yes. And on the other side... It is, uh, it's gray. It's like a Southern Pacific gray on the other side. Oh, oh no. What? That's bad. Wow. What, you kill a file? No. Um, worse. Apparently, my, wow. Well, that's okay. Apparently, my... My homegrown uh, easy bake oven thing. <laughs> no, it, it it cut so hot it melted the uh, it melted the uh, uh, the dynamic brake hatch. Really? I wouldn't have thought it could have done that. It kind of melted the uh, um. It melted the. I have a spare one though, so it's not the end of the world. But uh, it melted the. Uh, no kidding. Yeah, I, I. I wouldn't have thought it would get that hot. Huh? Because all it is is a light bulb. I was gonna say maybe you need a smaller light bulb. Yeah, but I mean, I was thinking it only got to a hundred. You know, maybe maximum one hundred and thirty degrees. But that's the only thing is that dynamic brake hatch got melted. Huh. Well, and you know, anyway. there's. Yeah, uh, I've got a spare somewhere. So I had melted this in the oven once, <laughs> but I caught it before. You know, this one I just left it in the uh, in the box with the light on. Yeah. You know, because like it's only a light bulb. How can it melt it uh, anyway? Um, obviously, it can. And it could have been a variation in the formula of the plastic used. Yeah, it kind of melted the the um, the. Exhaust. They sag or did it totally lose uh, shape? Oh, oh, it's totally. It's wrecked. Okay. It is totally okay. wrecked. Um. Well. Yeah. 
Um, We've all had those kind of little uh, hiccups before yeah, well, in thank- model railroading. Yeah, thankfully somebody sent me one, and I was like, ah, this thing will be fine. And it was fine. Just Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, and it kind of melted the um, the exhaust. Uh, just the exhaust the, stack? Ex- the exhaust stack. It doesn't look bad, though. It almost looks like <laughs> realistic. In, in comparison to the other problems I'm having, that's the least of my worries. Okay. I mean, you know that uh, one of my dogs has got a tumor? No. Yeah, Harrison has got a tumor on one of his adrenal glands, and it's blocking blood flow from his hindquarters to his liver. Are they going to be able to uh, No. correct it? No. No. Uh, the only thing you can do is drain it drain him he fills up with fluid yeah so three or four weeks ago they drain so if you've seen pictures of him he's about his body is about the size of a two liter bottle yeah they drain two liters of fluid out of him yeah and they just drained a liter and a half out of him a couple of days ago so how old is Harrison 11 and a half they what what they said to me was, he doesn't know, he's not in pain. So, um, let me just see if I can. He says, you can just keep, just keep uh, draining him. You know, try to extend his life as long as you can, make him as comfortable as you can, and he doesn't know what's going on, so. Yeah, the sad part about pet is that, Sooner or later, we all reach a decision point uh, on that. Yeah. Before we moved here, we had to put down two pugs. Oh, really? And, yeah, they were 12, going on 13. One had gone blind, and he just, he adapted to it, and he could even run, nine times out of ten, could run around the swimming pool. And not fall in. But there were those occasions that he fell he in. would be off. And I'd have to be there to get him out. Uh, because he would swim, but, you know, maybe swimming the right way, the wrong way. Uh-huh. And then the other, his brother, they were littermates, lost control. Of, he, had, he became incontinent. Yeah. So he couldn't. So okay, finally, we made the decision to to uh, put them down, which is when they euthanize, you know, it's, it's still tough emotionally on the owner, uh-huh. but there's no pain for right. the puppy. It's a muscle relaxant. Yeah. And then they, they'll just lay down, you're there with them and you're petting them and then they inject the potassium and the heart stops. Uh-huh. I mean, it's it's still that emotional thing, but in our case, it had got to where, okay, let's, I don't want to walk out because I went back in for a cup of coffee and the dog took a wrong turn and now he's, he's drowned. Right. I don't want that to happen, so let's yep. preclude that. And so we did. Uh, I just uploaded a picture of the... the- the, the engine. Okay, I see it. If you look at the dynamic brake hatch, 
Yeah. You can see how it's bent up a little. I'm going to have to save it and then go back in and look at it to get it big enough. But. No, no, I'm trying to, I, you know, I'm trying to, this thing is supposed to be uploading it. Oh. Loads are off. What? Video upload. I don't care about the video uploads. Camera uploads, upload videos. Yeah. Now oh. on the, the one photo, it's saying canceled, but I've got it on my screen. So. Canceled? Yeah, it's what it notates, but it's there. Mm. And it's got that nice, bright, Southern Pacific uh, bloody nose. <laughs> Everything else is pretty washed out gray. Yeah. Which one? The the uh, the photo I just sent. Why? The that? model. Yeah, the model. model. Yeah. I don't understand why it's not uploading this photo that I just took. Well, who knows? Maybe it just doesn't like you. Apparently. Maybe it just doesn't like you. It's like I just I just took the photo for crying out loud because it'll it it will give you a good indication of what happened to the okay the, well then I'm sure our listeners are understanding your frustration because we've all run into why isn't this working yeah it's like I just, just there we go nice you can just copy and paste it I don't have to send a link there you go there you go something coming through. Okay, yeah, I see the uh, the top's got a little bit of bulge in it. Just just a bit. It's like I don't understand, you know, like you said, it's probably just a different plastic. Yeah, but what's amazing is the fan, uh, top it's fan fine. detail doesn't seem to have been disturbed that much. No, and I, the fan blades, everything, they're fine. Yeah, it was just the, uh, the housing where it overlaps the uh, air intake is <laughs> distorted. Yeah. Yeah, and those are two separate pieces, I would imagine. Yeah, so, the yeah. Side, the, I mean, the side pieces come off, but, you know. Like I said, somebody sent me one, so it's one you off. You probably heat that with a blow dryer and uh, gradually massage it into place with your thumb. Possibly. Now, if you look at the top of it, it's all misshapen. Okay, well, if you got so, another, then yeah. use the other. Yeah, use the other one and just, I mean, because that paint, you know, I'm putting it on. That's the reason why I'm putting it in, e in an easy-bake oven is because <laughs> it's straight, you know, it's straight yeah. um, uh, oil-based, you know, oil paints. Yeah. So they take forever to dry. I mean, I, I had them take okay. three or four days and they weren't dry. That's how thick they are. So, oh, wow. um, anyway, so this is a fascinating little thing to add to the, the podcast that it was unexpected. But, um, anyway, uh, yeah, the other projects are, um, huh. um, yeah, the, the Lionel Milgon, um, yes, beautiful car. Um, very, very well done. Lionel did a very good job on that. And, uh, I wanted to see how hard it would be to convert. There's been, actually been a, a bunch of things lately that are, you know, um, aha moments. Oh, the other thing about the plow, you notice how that, the, 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 the other picture of the plow I sent you, 
Not the not the cotton belt unit, but the one that's just the plow. The prototype. The prototype photo, yeah. 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 Can you can you see what I'm saying about how it's flatter across the top? It doesn't have that bow downward towards the middle. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's just, and it doesn't have those. It doesn't have the same doors for the MU hoses. Yeah, those are like narrow slots compared to a typical. Yeah. Opening. Yeah, that's what I think. And they don't have the doors. They're just cutouts. Yeah. And then you've got your straight bar across the bottom that picks up the snow and ice and feeds it. Yeah. To the curved part of the blade that ejects it out to the side. Yeah. Well, um, anyway. So, yeah, at first I had, uh, I had made this special bolster that goes onto the car so that you could mount trucks. Yeah. Um, you know, Proto 48 trucks onto it. And then um, somebody made some sort of comment that, you know, I don't want to put, I don't want to put $65 a pair Protocraft trucks underneath a gondola and not be able to see them. You know, if you're, if you're going to put trucks like that on something, you want to see them. Okay. Which is logical. And the question was raised, can I mount, can I put Atlas trucks on it? And my comment was, I don't think so, because the way Atlas trucks mount is totally different. They, there's a, um, the mounting post is different. Okay. And so I said, wait a minute, what if I, instead of making a new bolster for the car so that you mount so that then you have to design all sorts of different stuff to to get a truck on there well what if you just made a different bolster for the um the lionel roller bearing trucks and the the newer lionel roller bearing trucks have a totally different bolster that hold everything together okay and um very easy to get out you don't have to take the springs out of the truck or anything and so i just redesigned that bolster so that it looks vaguely um, realistic. As a matter of fact, since we're here and Dropbox seems to be sort of working when it, whenever it gets around to it. <clears throat> now, it's the Lionel. That's regular O-scale. It's not a Proto 48 body. What do you mean? It's. I mean, it's a scale. No, no, no. I wouldn't be bothering with this if it wasn't a scale okay yes it's a very it's a very well done to scale body okay yeah no i wouldn't be bothering with this if it wasn't i just wanted to clarify because i couldn't imagine you using an 027 gauge oh it is that's what it is i mean it's 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 an you know it comes with the big claw coupler on it and the big stinking wheels on it and everything yeah um so what you're going to be looking at is, assuming Dropbox gets around to doing this, okay, there we go. Okay, but the body is more to scale, especially when you put, you upgrade the trucks and the couplers. Yeah. Okay. Yep. The body is not the problem. You're just no, but... all this toy-like 
truction coupler and putting more scale right. stuff there. Okay. Right. So what I the, the picture I just sent you. Yes. Is that's the bolster that comes out of the at, the uh, line L trucks. The one the bottom item. No, no, no. The top item. Okay. The top item because. When you look at the top item, that that tab that's sticking down, that's yes. that's where the uh, claw coupler mounts. Okay. That goes between the side frames, and so the the piece underneath is the one that I designed. Yes. So that it just fits in there, and it looks a little bit more realistic, so that when you look at the car from the bottom, you actually see a little bit of the truck. It's it's not absolutely scale. It's not perfect. It just is to give you the impression of realism. Okay. That's all. It's that's all that's trying to accomplish. Okay. Now, do you put uh, brake rigging on there? No. Okay. No. Just no, no, no. asking. No, no. This. I mean, you could if you really wanted to. There's a bunch of molded on stuff on the car, um, and you could. You know, do all that, but it's a gondola. You can't see it. Okay. The point, the whole point of this kit is to just allow you to mount a KD coupler on it. Uh, mount a KD coupler on it, make it look more realistic. And I designed bolsters for regular O gauge and Proto Forty Eight. So those who you know want to use the car but mount KD couplers on it and have the KD couplers look fairly realistic then that's what that is for so that's the gondola nicely weathered it's not weathered at all it looks like it's shaded on the sides i know it does but it isn't it's bad lighting oh okay all right thank you yeah even there it still looks like yeah. there's some uh, dust collection on the side of it uh-huh Okay. No, it's a nice looking car. Whose tank car is that? That is a brass, uh, Picos River brass. Oh, oh. And those are the $65 a pair roller bearing trucks. By golly, and they look like they're worth every penny of it, too. Yeah, they are. They're sprung. They've got like six, I think they've got six springs in them. They've, they actually have roller bearings in them. I was going to say, so we have rotating bearing caps. Well, yes, on the even the Atlas, the, not the Atlas, the um, the Lionel trucks come out with rotating bearing caps. No kidding. Oh yeah. Sweet. Uh, oh yeah. Let's see. I did take a picture of that. Uh, so we're well, gonna have a lot of stuff to upload to the Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. So that this conversation has some context to it. Ah, pfft. People don't really want to see it. 3D printed caps. Oh. Nice. Yeah. Nice looking truck. That's that that's the that's the Lionel side frame. That's the thing, is I, I you know, particularly if it's if it's underneath a um you know, it's underneath the gondola, so you can get away with a lot. That's it without the bearing caps. And you can see this basic molded on detail underneath, but, you know, nothing nothing extravagant. But that was the point, is, you know, for 
I'm, I think I'm selling the whole set, which is the, the, the box for the KD coupler. Okay. And the conversion bolster, what, I think 15 bucks. So off my Shapeway site. What's, what's your address at the Shapeway site? How do people reach it? It's uh, www.shapeways.com forward slash shops forward slash bats by Jim, which is B-A-T-S-B-Y-J-I-M. Yeah, I will post all that wonderful stuff. And I just had to make a bunch of um, modifications to things because um, I hadn't properly tested them. So I was in such a rush to get a bunch of stuff out, I didn't test it properly so a lot of things didn't fit right and i couldn't figure out what was wrong and then i said wait a minute i actually have already i have already drawn this before so i what was happening is the uh, coupler boxes were not thick enough were not deep enough they were not deep enough to for the couplers to fit inside them without filing stuff down which is to me unacceptable so <clears throat> the whole point of any, everything I do is so that people can have the absolutely least amount of work possible. Certainly one of my objectives when I buy a part or a piece. Yeah, you know, this, I mean, the, the Katie couplers would fit in the boxes, but you just had to do a bunch of filing to get it to work right, and that's just not not the way. Well, yeah, there's, there's HO scale locomotives out there that you have to, you know, you can get the the coupler boxes out so that you can take the shell off, but they are so tightly fitted to factory that to get them in, you know, easily yeah. without breaking surrounding parts, you got to file them down. And I think that's just a major pain in the butt. Well, so I yeah. like your approach better. Let's do it right the first time. Yeah, you do it right the first time, you know, because I'm trying to, it's hard enough to do stuff in Proto 48 as it is, let alone, you know, you know, a lot of the things that I design are specifically to uh, combat the, oh, you need to have a machine shop to do anything in Proto 48. And I don't want that. I, I want, you know, screwdriver and maybe a, you know, a pin vise. That's, that's all I really want anybody to need. So, because it shouldn't be, you know, when, when you're doing things in 3D, when, when it's not that complicated to change things. Like with this end bolster, um, I'm going through a different company. I'm not going through uh, Shapeways. I'm going through Sculptio just to try something different. And uh, immediately they sent me an email saying, I mean, and Shapeways does it too, but Shapeways is a little more like we shapeways just comes back and says, we're not doing it. And Sculptio came back and said, look, these are the problems that we see with your file. Do you want to accept responsibility for it? Not printing. If you do, we'll print it, but let us know. Or these are where the problems are. Can you fix it? And I appreciate that more than nope. We're not doing it. <laughs> No explanation, not you know, and one of the one of the main pro problems with that have you know, many people have said about Shapeways, is with a lot of the things we do, 
we're skirting the ragged edge of printability with a lot of things that we do. And so, you know, things that according to their specifications should print. But the way it seems is you send it in one day and the guy sitting at the printer doesn't feel like doing it. Yeah. So if he turned it 180 degrees, it would fit in the printer. It would print properly and you wouldn't have any issues. But he doesn't feel like doing it, so he's not going to. So he just bounces it back and says it's not going to work. And then you send it in, you know, you send it in 15 minutes later and it goes through. And that's all fine and dandy if you're printing it for yourself. When you have people buying it, it's right. You know, a lot of these things I'm trying to design in such a way that they're bulletproof and they're always going to print. Well, that's the that's the way to go about it. Yeah. You know, some of this stuff on the coupler box I mentioned is just tolerance run up. You know the well, what, the what openings on the downside of the tolerance and the coupler box is on the high side of the tolerance, and so you have conflict. Right. Yeah, we the need problem, a little bit wider tolerance there. The problem with that is they're expecting it to you not to have to replace that. So they're building it in such a way that it goes together tightly to begin with, and you're never going to have to replace it. Well. You know, most people, well, not most people, but there's a lot of people that just take the old couplers out, put it in KDs. Right. I don't have a problem with the scale couplers people are making, but get rid of the plastic. Give me a metal coupler that won't flex open on a long train going up a grade. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. And, and if anybody has, if anybody out there has ordered some of the parts and have had issues, I apologize, but I have corrected them, did that today. After I finished up with the plow, finished drawing the plow, and the, I had some issues with that, the pilot. If you look at the pilot that I made, the um, the uh, the steps, yeah, those are the, all those holes. Um, they're accurate. They're to scale, and they were very thin. They were point twenty one, so they were one inch thick, which yeah. is thicker than it should be, but really. Thin that that uh, twenty one thousandths is very thin to try to print, and um, depending on the material, and a lot of materials they'd rather have you be like at forty thousandths. Well, yes, yeah, um, that whole thing is thirty thousandths, and I I up upped the width of the steps to thirty five thousandths. So hopefully that will correct the problem. We shall see. But um, uh, the plow was okay. There was nothing wrong with the plow. But they they have a couple of different processes and uh, Sculptio and I kind of like the um, the centered uh, laser centering that they do they, it's a it's slightly nicer surface than what you get from Shapeways okay so uh, I've had a couple of parts from them they're just a little bit more expensive and they don't have the ease if I could set up a store and things be reasonably, you know, reasonably priced and everything from Sculptio, I probably would set it up. The Shapeways, the whole Shapeways shop system is really good. I um, I purchased a, but I mean, it, it, Shapeways pushed me to buy my own 3D printer, which I probably should have spent more money on. But and I, there's some things I got to learn about, you know, how to take care of it and stuff. And there's what there's, you know. Learning curve with it, with everything. So I did that. I did the uh, Lionel Milgon, and then um, through conversations with somebody else, 
Um, somebody asked me about, hey, you know, what about the Lionel ACF covered hoppers? And I said, well, those are kind of complicated and you can't, you know, the bolster is different and you can't mount anything like that. And, and then, and that's what I always thought. And so for years, and when I say years, since I started in Proto 48, and I can't even remember how long that's been, I've had these Atlas. They're made out of aluminum. They're very, very well done. They're scale ACF covered hoppers. And the way the bolster is designed is kind of hard to convert to Proto 48. Okay. They're just slightly problematic. And so somebody asked me about it, and I, and I looked at it, and I said, nah, uh, I don't know. And just on a lark, because it, the way the trucks mount on Atlas and Lionel, the Lionel trucks were totally different. And I took a set of Atlas trucks. Bear in mind, this has been going on for like five years. I was like, ah, this is so hard to do. But the way the ACF cars are designed unlike the thrall see that you know the thrall 4750 covered hoppers okay you can see through the end you know so you can look through the end of the car and see the truck so it's very visible you can see the coupler the the coupler draft gear it's very very visible whereas on all acf cars there's a plate there so you actually can't see through the end that's right there's an end sheet there there's an end sheet so not being able to see the bolster and all that other stuff is less of a problem on an ACF car than it is on a, a Thrall or, or, or um, Pullman Standard car. And so I converted one of – I had the conversion bolsters for um, an Atlas truck, and I threw them on the – just on a Lark. I threw it on the, I threw it on the, on the Lionel car, and it fits perfect. The Atlas truck with my bolster that changes the Atlas truck – to Proto 48, yeah. put in Proto 48 axles. So it is essentially, it's what I what I call a drop-in replacement bolster. Okay. So it doesn't, it's slightly more realistic looking, but it doesn't change the truck at all. It doesn't, you know, it's specifically designed so that you don't have, it's the easiest way to convert a car to Proto 48. It's not the most realistic looking thing in the world, but it's the easiest way to convert the truck. And I had been for five years thinking that, you know, converting an ACF car was going to be way too complicated. These uh, converting these Lionel cars are way too complicated. I slapped these trucks on. It's the perfect, the perfect coupler height, perfect everything. And you can't see that. You can't see the fact that the bolster's wrong. Well, yeah, so, if you got that end sheet there. Yeah. So, so for five years, for five years, I've been fighting over this thing. And it was easy. And the the point of this conversation is that five years ago, I could have just changed this thing. And I would have been like, oh, wow, I would have been able to convert all my cars over. But I hadn't done it because I thought it was too complicated. Hang on a second. I got to see that one of Harrison's problem is, is he can't get up on the bed himself. So hang on one second. Hold on. And he wants to get up on the bed. That's OK. There he goes. So kind of like the plow that I've been fighting with, you know, been thinking, oh, this is way too complicated. And, you know, you just had to look at something the right way one time and say, oh, it's straight. It's not actually curved. Yeah. That totally changes how it's designed. I mean, it's still 
not the you know if you don't know how to use the tools in SolidWorks, it would be a bear to do. But since I do know how to how to do it, it was like zip. Well, not really zip. Zip is making a cube. Um, so yeah, so I've designed a couple of box for the ACF. So the the a bit of the the uh, underframe that you actually can see, which is the coupler box that sticks out, that I've designed a coupler box for the ACF car, and it should fit on all of the Lionel cars. Oh, well, all of the Lionel ACF covered hoppers, and there's a bunch of different ones that they make. They make plastic ones. They make four-bay grain ones. They make four-bay plastic ones. They even make three-bay three uh, what is it? Forty six hundred cubic foot ones, um, which I didn't realize they made until I pulled one. I pulled one that I thought was totally different out of a box and realized it was what I've been wanting for several years. Well, forty six fifties are for years have been the benchmark for grain service. Well, these are forty six hundreds. Okay, so it's close. It's close. It's close enough. I think it's either forty six hundred or forty six. 40 but it's close um right. I, I had always lamented the fact that they did the four bay one which i've never seen any four bay ones i think i've seen a photograph of one once uh whereas the 4650s are ridiculously common um uh, the three yeah, a lot of the the bigger cubes and uh the uh were for plastic pellet you know low density yep, yep. Yep, but yep. Uh, four thousand to forty-seven, fifty-three compartment typically for uh, for grain, and then two compartments, the high density carbon black sand salt, those type of uh, commodities. There, it's the way with, that we sold the stuff at ACF, or at least it was okay. Those rough guidelines. Okay. So let's see. So this is the bolster I'm talking about on the Atlas ACF car. Yeah, the uh, that end assembly when it was designed, because I think the original more beer can shaped center flow built at Berwick came out in the the early 60s till they moved production to Huntington. That think those were, some of those were also, the end assembly was open. The, the uh, seal and stuff was exposed, but later on on what you're showing me here on the high cube cars, that plate actually tied into the sill, uh, the side sills and the, the stub sill coming out the middle and those diagonal braces coming down, all this stuff was welded together, and it worked as a unit, controlled right. torsional uh, flex, you know, it enhanced torsional rigidity is another way of looking at it. So, yeah, it had a, had a structural purpose, and mm -hmm. the, uh, the hobos liked it because that <laughs> hole that you, oh, yeah. that your photo shows, we just... We used to call that the hobo hole because <laughs> that end sheet extended beyond that, and the hobos could, 
get in there and they had this little protected compartment for going, especially in the winter. You could ride on those very easily. Yeah. You could climb inside. You're not, you weren't supposed to do it, but you could climb inside the, you could climb inside there. Yeah. Especially on the A end away from all the brake rigging. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people did that. Yeah. And the, um, the other picture I sent you is so the one on the, the truck on the left. The trucks, yes. The trucks on the the truck on the left is the Lionel truck. And the truck on the right is an Atlas truck. Big difference in the way the bolster connects to the yeah. to the uh, mainframe. Yeah. But that Atlas truck, the one on the right, actually will mount on that Lionel car. Ah. No, no problem. Okay. Which was totally shocked to me. But yeah, I mean, just looking at the difference in height and mass of that center lug where the mounting screw goes, you go, wow, that is well, very different. The the Lionel truck that goes underneath the ACF car is totally different than what you're looking at. Okay. So the one on the left, that's the one from the, the, the gondola. That's a new style of truck they've done. Um. I don't have any issue with the way the Lionel trucks look. When I say the Lionel trucks, the old ones, the old ones that come off the ACF car, they look good to look at them. Um, they're just a pain to convert. Um, it's just the way they're designed. It's just okay. not – the new ones are way easier to convert. And I guess Lionel sells conversion uh, scale wheels that you can buy. So, yeah, that's been a lot of what I've been working on. Um, the other thing is I converted an Atlas OMP15. And I think you'll appreciate this photograph. Is it the Burlington Northern Unit? Yep. Okay. Photo is uh, CSX. You, no, you got you got to read the caption. Pride. What's well, a young boy looking at the CSX, which is... At an awkward angle across <laughs> a turnout. No, can, uh, can you read the thing underneath where it says it pride? It just says pride. Oh, the, the caption under it says, take pride in your work, even when you've really screwed up, screwed it up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I split the switch. <laughs> That's going to take a wrecking crew to get that locomotive on the right uh, Yeah, you're, I'm, surp I'm you're going surprised out. that rear truck pivoted that much. Yeah. <laughs> Golly. So if you're going to go out of service, take pride in it. You did a fine job. Yeah. And they said it couldn't be done. That's right. Let's see. What else have I got around here? Uh, yeah, put that on the Facebook page, too. <laughs> okay. And, oops. This is the other thing I've been working on. Oh, building? Station house? Um, it's supposedly a tire shop. Oh, okay. Very nice. You're going to put an interior in it? No. Okay. I, yeah, especially in HO scale, I don't worry about interiors and you all know, that stuff. Yeah, probably not. I mean, maybe eventually, uh, probably not. Yeah. So this shows you how that bolster works. Fits in there really nice. Those are nice looking wheel and axles. Oh, yeah, those are the uh, protocraft, protocraft wheels. Okay. One of, one of these days, I want to get the guy that did my uh, 
the GP60. Um, I want to get him on the podcast. He said he wouldn't mind uh, once I figure out how to get him on Skype. But, well, that could be an interesting conversation. Yeah. The, the whole just staring at this dynamic brake bolster just really irritates me. Particularly, I mean, ah, whatever. It is what it is. Nothing I can do about it now. And then this is something I did a while ago. This is the... Um, and I did a bunch of work on that bridge, that, that pile trestle. Problem is I have no place to put it. And where I was going to put it, I can't build it. I can't build what I was going to put it on until I build a different section of my railroad. So, because it, it's going to fit in in a particular way. So until I do that, I can't build, I can't like build the module that that thing is going to go into. If that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. You know. So it's like, ah, yeah, this is cool. I'll build this. This will be awesome. And no, I can't actually make the module. So That's right. Now I've got to redesign the railroad to make it fit. Right. Yeah, because there's no place for it until unless I put on an extension. Okay, so that is one of your bolsters underneath that boxcar. That is, that is a... Um, draft gear. That is a... Draft gear. That is a. Um, num, 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 num. So to be an Indicar coasting unit. Yes. Okay. So we had a uh, sister division at ACF called WKM, mm-hmm. and they made uh, end of car cushioning units, and they also made they were you know hydraulic cylinders, uh, but went into structural frame components like that. Uh, that's a beautiful looking uh, piece you've made there. Very nice. They also made them for the uh, topsy coffsy hitches so that you didn't have to, if you had a cushioned hitch, you didn't need a cushioned underframe F89 car for the, for the trailers. And uh, they were very successful with that. They were down in uh, Houston, Texas. And... Uh, of course, we had some of their sales and engineering people at our facility in St. Charles. That's a nice-looking piece. Yeah, that's a complicated little thing to put together, but it, it works. So it fits it fits in perfectly. And um, yeah, the whole thing it goes in it it goes together, you know, a very particular way. That's uh-huh. one of those things that's like, yeah, I'd probably have to make directions for it. <laughs> oh, but it's beautiful. It's got a lot of just very delicate detail. Yeah, this was printed by a friend of mine, Peter Stemple. He had a Form 1 machine he printed it on, so this wasn't done at Shapeways. Okay. This is a slightly more robust material than what you'd get at Shapeways. Okay. So. Wow, that's, that is really good looking. Yeah, I've had a lot of people, a lot of people on the O gauge um, Proto Forty Eight forums, like, "Oh yeah, we want, we want some of that," because the Evans fifty three foot boxcar is very common. Um, well, it's not, it's not a very common prototype, but it's a very common model. Okay. But that's what I've been doing. Uh, you know, I got the building going on, and 
you know, the converted the MP15. I just phoned and called. Oh, um, I talked to the gentleman from who was I just talking to? Right before we got on the call. Um, oh, where is it? Hobbyist. So Duncan McCree. Yeah. From um, Tan Valley Depot. I wasn't talking to him, but he does hit all of his dead rail installs are done by a company called dead rail installs. Um, I was just talking to him cause I want to put dead rail inside, um, this GP 60. Actually, I want my whole railroad to be dead rail cause I don't want to be bothered with wiring. And okay. uh, I was talking to him and asked him if he wanted to come on to the podcast and he is interested cause he's going to start advertising with MRH. So, we'll follow up with that gentleman. Let's get him on here and talk about dead rail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. Um, he has all the kits and everything for um, you know the battery packs and how to how to set it up to charge it and how to do all that good stuff. So, um, interesting stuff. He's going to get back to me because he was in the middle of doing something and he couldn't really talk, but. Um, let me see. Was it on that page? No. Okay. Hound no. him mercilessly. Kit, yeah. He didn't, I guess he used to be a, he used to be a DJ because his voice sounds really familiar. And I asked him, oh, have, you really? been, have you been on any model road podcast? Nope. He says, well, would you like to be on ours? Sure. He says, well, I can give you as much time as you want. If you need 30 seconds, I'll give you 30 seconds. If you need two minutes, I'll give you two minutes. He says, no, no, no. We'll give you an hour and a half. Come on. As long as oh. you need. As long as you need. Just keep talking. Oh, wow. I'll talk real slow then. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, get him on. Good. I think it was before you and Chris uh, joined me on the podcast. I had spoken with a, uh, a gentleman in who also was doing dead rail, but this is five years ago. Right. And uh, a lot of interest in that. So, yeah, that would make an interesting show because everybody's interested in battery power and not have to clean track. <laughs> you know. There we go. Tim Valley Depot, dead rail system. Yep, Dead Rail Installs. www.deadrailinstalls.com. His name's Pete. Um, so, yeah, I will hound him. I will <laughs> hound, hound him in a dice way. Well, I, I didn't have to hound him that hard. That hard so. Yep, yep, yep. At, at some point. So I will, because I'm going to be talking to him anyway and ordering something. Um, so... Well, now that I've got a big old hole in the top of my locomotive because the thing melted, uh, now you got another project. Be easy to put the battery into it. Yes, it will. Bloody annoying is what that is, but. All right. Oh well. Well, right. the one th one thing I will say is because it's the dynamic brake hatch, at least it's yeah. relatively easy to fix. <laughs> you know, it's not like, you know, you melted the nose off. Oh yeah, yeah. That would be. Kind of devastated. I mean, that's the thing that kills me. None of the radiator fans, none of nothing. Just the dynamic brake hatch. But, oh, well. Yeah. Had to be. But, all right. Well, either that or, you know, maybe when I had it in the oven before, it kind of messed it up. And then 
Well, plastic has a heat history to it, and once you, some plastics are more susceptible than others that when you go through heating it to extrude it, and then the heat of the dyes, you have to look at the cumulative effect of the heat on the resin. Mm -hmm. And it could be exactly what you said, Jim. You had it in there once before. Everything was kosher. And then you put it again, and the physical properties were changed by that first exposure. Yeah. And uh, it was the aggregate effect, not necessarily yeah. that the bulb certainly, you know, suddenly turned into the moon. Right. The, sun. the sun, right, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it could have been. could have been yeah. the aggregate. Yeah. All right, big uh, guy. Yeah, so uh, yeah, the uh, I have my own three D printer, but that's that's something for another day because I haven't been having a whole lot of success with it. It does big things really well. It's like a lot of ever uh, a lot of other FFF printers. Yeah, it does big things really well. Another thing, um, it looks like one of my creations is going to come to fruition i'm working with someone to do the um waffle sided boxcar yeah uh so we'll see how that works out that's that's he's had uh orders for 52 of them so which is good so he's fairly fairly confident that he'll be making that and uh he was going to do it anyway. He was thinking about doing it, and he had already had a lot of the designs done already in S, which may tell you who it is. Um, but um, I'm going to work with him because I said uh, I already had a lot of the stuff done in O already. So um, he uh, is very positive. So I'm able to do a bunch of this. He, we both work in SolidWorks, which is which is good, and he. Uh, and he found me a link to get SolidWorks for not – you can get a full version of SolidWorks without having to pay $7,000, which well, is good. Well, that's a win. Yeah, that's a win. Um, and you don't have to keep renewing it every year. That's the one problem is the way that I'm doing it right now is every year you buy a new version. Yeah. So every time you open a new file, you're updating it to the next version, which is okay, but – um, you know, you don't want to, it can be kind of annoying and it only, you know, every year you have to renew it and it's, it's just irritating. Kind of like a windows 10 update. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so that, that, that's hopefully that will, uh, come to fruition. He's interested in possibly doing other modern cars. I'm kind of working on him to do the PS 5344 only because, um, it's kind of on the same, the, the the southern waffle and fifty three forty four are very common, so you know what he's looking for are prototypes that there's a lot of, as opposed to somebody made fifty of them. You know what I mean? You know, th there's thirty of these prototypes. Now, that being said, some of these some of the prototypes that they only made thirty of, say like VHO scale. Uh, turbines it's yeah. like how can how can they sell so many turbines when they all like union pacific is the only one that had them and they only made i don't even know how many i think they only made 30 
but between Athern and Scale Trains, they sell a ton of them. <laughs> That's right. That's you right. Think, it's like big boys. Doesn't matter how many big boys you make. Doesn't matter who makes them. They will always sell them, which is totally amazing. But since I don't know how many, how many, what there was like twenty-five. 20- 25 big boys, yeah. I think that was what it was. And it doesn't matter how many big boys anybody makes, they will always sell them. That's right. Because if there's 200,000 HO scale modelers and everybody wants two so they can double head them, yeah, that's eventually a ton of them. That's what you always want to do is double head big boys. Sure. Yeah, of course. On your 4x8 model railroad. That flat, no grades. That flat, no grades, and eight, and you only, and you only have eight cars. Yes, and they're all forty foot box cars. That's right. <laughs> and and you're double, you're double heading uh, big boys. Absolutely. Yeah, we've all done it. We've all done it. <laughs> and, and and when you see somebody doing it, they look at you and say, "You're just jealous." Yeah, okay. that's right. That's right. Yeah, whatever. You're right. I am. Hi, Jimmy. All right. Okay. All right. Work on the guy on the dead rail. Yeah, yeah. Okay, just keep me up to date. I will do that. All right, buddy. Thanks for your time.